Mm. Ooh. <laughs> What's up, good people? It's time for another session of that verbal cardio. We back, man. It's another glorious Tuesday. And uh, we back. What's up, Nick? Um, I got my co-host extraordinaire, Water, man. Water is the only co-host you need. I hope you drank plenty of water this past Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you was washing down all that filth you was eating. I hope you washed it down with that good old H2O. And remember, remember, without water, ain't no Super Bowls. It ain't never no Super Bowl if we don't have water, y'all. Remember that. Ain't no Kansas City. Ain't no San Francisco. Ain't no Taylor Swift. If we lose water, we lose all of it. Remember that. Remember that, man. Respect water. Cherish it. Hold it. Embrace it. Care for it. Care about it. Make sure it's in your body every single day, man. Water is the key to life. Never forget that. I want to give a shout out to my patron saints in here. Adele Broom, who just joined the day. Waters, Tony Ant, Sapphire Blaze, QDB. Uh, we got Laura Falkalt up in here. Uh, Miss Josie. We got Organic Soul Brother. We got Candy Cammy. We got Eshore Sachs. We got Elijah Green. We got Chris M. We got Zakia Williams. We got Coco Puff. We got uh, P-Pie, I see you. You know what I'm saying? We got Courtney Davis. We got Bundy McBuckets. We got Sharon McD, we got Styler, we got Latoya, we got Randomly CJ, we got Aries Taurus, we got Aomi, we got Tony Ant, we got Henry Elam, we got Nana P, we got Miss Re Renee, we got AJ, we got Jay Thomas, we got Ryan, we got Salim, no talking about me. we got Zay Nova, we got Jay Wine, we got L Adams, we got Chris M. Come on, man. Shout out to my patron saints, man. Uh, I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. William Taylor, Joshua Kador, Receive Sunflower. Thank y'all, man. I appreciate y'all. We back, man. We back. Back with another episode, man. Let's talk about, let's talk about some things, man. First of all, I'm about to cut the IG live off early. The patron saints don't want y'all reaping the benefits of a free live podcast without joining the Patreon. This is what they told me to tell y'all. So I'm cutting it off. I'm cutting it off right here, right now. If you want to see it live, you know what to do. If you don't, then you'll see the episode tomorrow. But I'm cutting off the live right here, right now. But I appreciate y'all, man. Just a little teaser. Just a little something. Boom. Pow. Now. Verbal cardio. We back at it. Here we go. I forgot to listen to the Beyonce tracks. I meant to listen to Beyonce's two new songs. I'm pissed off. I meant to take a listen. I forgot. Um, and so I, w- I wish I would have listened to the songs before I started this podcast. So I know what I'm talking about, but I haven't heard. I heard, I heard, I did hear a glimpse of it on Super Bowl Sunday at Robin's house, but um, what I heard, it was just okay. But, but again, but again, I'm not a big country guy. I'm not country McGee. I'm not a big, I'm not a big country fan um, like that. So, but I feel like I feel like Beyonce on the countryside. I feel like Beyonce doing country 
is not a big stretch because she got Texas roots. So I kind of like the fact that on paper, on paper, I kind of like the fact that she's dipping in the country. And low key, country is the wave right now. It's not the wave. Like country music always been selling. But like country music is huge right now. What's his name? Morgan Wallen or whatever. His album been number one like 19 weeks. Not consecutive, but he keep going back to the number one position. Like country, country is huge. And you got some of the best-selling records of all time have been from country artists like Shania Twain, Garth Brooks. They be they be moving units in these country streets. While hip-hop is out here on the struggle in terms of just like monster albums on the sales front, country music been out here, you know, thriving. And so Beyonce... Coming from Texas, if you will. Houston, Texas, to be exact. It's not that big of a surprise. Not that big of a stretch. And I already know if Beyonce want to do something, she going to do it and do it well. So don't be surprised. And don't be mad, country music people. Don't be mad. Don't be salty. If if Beyonce want to come up in the country streets, let her, let her come up in there with the boots on, with them high-ass high boots and a 10-gallon hat and hush. I know y'all going to be mad. I know, I know y'all going to be mad. I know y'all going to be mad. But you know what? She coming up in there. What you finna do? What you finna do? Now, let me ask you this. Is it worse to start out a certain way you know how some people start out in a certain genre and then they switch up like you know how pink came out and she was on the r&b tip and then she switched up and you know people be like hmm you used us to get on and then and then where we at now or do we let artists just venture into a different field and just see how see how it feels see how it fits you know what i mean I just feel like, like if Beyonce was from New York, Philly, Chicago, you know what I mean? San Francisco, I'd be like, country? The hell you doing, man? You, you're reaching. But given that she from Texas, it just feels right. It feels right for some reason. I got to listen to the song again, take it in, in my car or my headphones. That's when I really take music in. But you know. But it's already doing numbers. Of course, it's Beyonce. And she dropped it on the Super Bowl. Strategy McGee. Strategy McGee. Super Bowl Sunday was crazy. Usher did his thing at halftime. Um, I love the fact that Usher is the man right now. I love it. I love the fact that Usher is the man right now because Usher been here. You know what I'm saying? Usher came out a long time ago. Usher debuted in the 90s, and he's still out here shining and glistening at the highest level. I love it. He getting the flowers. He getting the respect. He getting the props. He's relevant. I love it. Because a lot of times with black artists, they look at us as disposable, and we get old fast especially in hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? So I love to see 
black artists that have been around for a long time shining and glistening. That's how it should be. If you got a great catalog of music, you should be able to shine and glisten off that until you 97. Just like the Rolling Stones be doing, U2 is mad old, Elton John is mad old. They out here doing stadiums, they doing residencies and all kind of stuff. They doing Super Bowls. I want the same for black artists. Cuz we we always feel like, "Oh man, you ain't hot no more." They don't look at white artists like that. So I want the same for black artists as well. If you got the catalog of hits, you should be able to thrive and glisten henceforth, just like they do. I'm tired of us getting discarded. Sick of it, man. I want the longevity for black artists, and I love to see the ushers out here shining and glistening right now at the highest level. I love it. I'm here for it. He did his thing. I was rooting for him. I didn't care about the game like that because Kansas City always in the damn Super Bowl and then San Francisco is too. So I wasn't even that passionate about this Super Bowl. No disrespect to the 49er fans. No disrespect to the Chiefs fans. But it was just like I wanted to see a Detroit Ravens Super Bowl. That's the one I wanted. But since it was San Fran who's, who be going to the Super Bowl a lot and it was Kansas City who be going to the Super Bowl a lot, I'm just like, all right, man. Like, there was no urgency for me. There was no urgency. I left my house after the Super Bowl already started to go to somebody's crib to watch the Super Bowl. But normally I would have been in place before the kickoff even began. So it was just like, all right, man, you know, it's whatever. I ain't watched none of the commercials really. I did see the, the the people getting their feet washed commercials, the Jesus commercial. Like Jesus is out here in these Super Bowl commercial streets. Jesus is like, yo, man, let, let me get a portion. Let me put up top dollar to get that Super Bowl spot. And it was mad people getting their feet washed in the ad. I was just like, yo, this is this is a lot. <laughs> It was just mad people washing feet. And I get the message they were trying to convey in the ad, but I was just like, it was like, you know, a Muslim getting their feet washed by like a conservative looking person or like, you know what I'm saying, somebody that was in the gay community getting their feet washed. So it was just like, I see what y'all are doing, but this ad is just mad funny though. It was, <laughs> it was just funny to me. I was just like, yo, this is, this is funny. Like, you know, wash people's feet, man. Just wash everybody's feet. That's when you really get to you get you get to know somebody and you really, you really down there with them when you're washing their feet. It's personal. Getting your feet washed is personal. So I get I guess that's the message. If you get down there and you humble yourself and you wash somebody else's feet, that's 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 when you get to the nitty-gritty of a person. That's when you get down there to the nitty gritty. You washing their feet, man. Wash a clan member's feet, black folks. Get get in there and wash that grand wizard's feet. And then in return, he gonna wash your feet. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a funny visual. And there was a game. And the game was the game. <laughs> the game was the game. But get your feet washed. 
Get your feet washed out here. That's what they do. Jesus is out here washing feet, getting his feet washed. And, you know, we washing feet. Valentine's Day, man. Who feet you washing? You washing anybody's feet on Valentine's Day? Who feet you watching, man? It's for the lovers. Let me tell you this. I'm single this Valentine's Day, but I'm not a hater of Valentine's Day. Not a hater whatsoever. Some people be hating on Valentine's Day. I do not. I'm not really the biggest fan of Valentine's Day because I just feel like it's forced romance, and I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not a big fan of forced romance. On this particular day, February 14th, we're going to force the romance. You, you got to be romantic. You got to go out. You got to do the rose petals. You got to do something romantic on this day. I don't like that. I don't like the pressure. The premeditated sex we got to have. Now, now it's premeditated because it's Valentine's Day, right? It's Valentine's Day. We've been, we, we a couple, man. We got to have the sex on this day. I don't like that. Cause now I'm thinking the whole time, like, yo, man, I got to get it in. I got to get in the pumps because it's Valentine's Day. I don't like it. You know what I'm saying? It loses the organic feel. You know, you can have a Valentine's Day any day throughout the year. You could be romantic with your significant other. But Valentine's Day puts the pressure on. I don't like that pressure. Now I got to give you the premeditated pumps. Premeditated pumps don't hit the same as the spontaneous we in the moment pumps. In the moment pumps? That's when you get premium pumps, the in-the-moment pumps, or or the, you know, getting out of jail pumps, or like, you know, we've been apart for a long time, and now we're visiting each other. Even though those are kind of premeditated, but it's not forced. It's just like, yo, we've been apart for a long time. I need you right now. I've been craving you. And then you get the, the reunited pumps. A lot of times the reunited pumps, those are some premium pumps as well. But I feel like the premeditated pumps ain't as ain't as luxurious, ain't as passionate. Like, yeah, we got to do we got to do these pumps because it's Valentine's Day. I don't like those kind of pumps. I want my pumps to be organic. Okay? And I just feel like Valentine's Day it forces the premeditated pumps. Your phone is scripted at that point. It's scripted pumps on Valentine's Day. So that's my only beef with Valentine's Day. I, I, I'm not hating on the lovers involved. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you do your thing, man. You know what I'm saying? K kick it with your boo. But I'm out here booless in these streets, chilling, saving money. That's what I'm doing. I'm saving money this year. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? I'm going to have my nice little dinner alone on Valentine's Day. It's just going to be me and the cats. I don't know what I'm going to eat, but, you know, it's probably going to be the same thing I always eat. My little tofu and greenery and butternut squash. Having a good time chilling on the single tip. And ain't no misery in the singleness either. Ain't no misery here. Ain't no, ain't no, oh, I don't want to be single. Ain't none of that. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'm out here. I'm just chilling. 
cold chill. I might even I might even buy myself a Valentine's Day card. I'm not gonna do that because I'm I don't even. It's not that serious for me. But I want y'all to have a fantastic Valentine's Day, a glorious one, in fact. You know what I'm saying? A luxurious one. But if you feel if you feel yourself, if you feel yourself like, man, I I got to I got to get in the pumps tonight. Don't stress yourself out. Don't stress yourself out in having to be romantic. Don't get caught up in the matrix. It's just another day. At the end of the day, it's just another day. Just have fun with your loved one. That's all you all you got to do is just have have fun with your loved one. You special, you special either way. You you were special on February 13th. You still special on February 15th. Don't get caught up in the matrix and the premeditated pumps. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? I just wanted to throw that in there. Um but we got bills to pay up in here. And I want to speak on this right fast, right fast. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly. So watch your payday. The money you earn can be in your hands today with earning. Now, earning is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the earning app and verify your paycheck, then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So um, we've all been there. You work a nine to five, you get paid every two weeks. Sometimes you, you need some money before payday gets here. You can't depend on that. You'd be like, yo, man, my car tripping. Your car going to trip. And your car always going to wait until the worst time to trip. Sometimes you need money right away from whatever it may be. You might need to bail somebody out of jail. You might yourself need to be bailed out. You know what I'm saying? Stuff comes up all the time. You got a busted pipe. You got this. You got that. Sometimes you need access to that money before the two-week pay period. And this is where earning comes in. You know what I'm saying? Special night out. You, you might need some money for Valentine's Day. Earning's gonna help you out, man. That's that's why they are here. I wish they had I wish they had earning when I had that nine to five. When I had that nine to five at Dairy Queen or Inmersh, that would have did me well. I'd be like, yo, man, let me hold a little something. Let me hold that five hundred till payday. But it came in. Right then and there, man. Upcoming rent, whatever it may be. Make earning a part of your financial routine and join earnings over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about earning, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. I don't know why I gave them a country accent like that, but we was talking country with Beyonce, so I figured, hey, man, that's what they sounded like, talking about earning. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? Download Earning Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earning app, type in Verbal Cardio under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Type in verbal cardio under podcast. Uh, subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earning.com slash TOS for details. Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So remember that, man. Get in on that earning, man. 
You never know. You never know. What's up, Sabrina? Yeah, man, I'll be, I be reading the ads. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? Um, yeah, man, earning. Earning. Where was earning when I needed it? Where was earning when I needed it? That's what I want to know. Uh, before I before I hit y'all's questions and topics, I want to talk about. Um, so everybody was memeing Usher and Alicia Keys, all hugged up and having a good time and stuff like that. Uh, first of all, y'all messy as hell. The internet is messy as hell. The the way y'all was freezing, freeze framing Usher and Alicia Keys, man, they just looked like they were having the time of their lives as a sweet couple. And we all know that Alicia been married to Swiss Beast forever, but y'all just messy, man. And the, Swiss Beast ain't even that type of guy to be insecure about his marriage. Swiss Beast strike me, he strikes me as very secure in his marriage to Alicia Keys. I could be wrong, but that that's the vibe I get from him. Like, he doesn't strike me as an insecure guy on that front at all. So it's like, y'all are posting this. What if he, what, what if he wasn't, though? What if y'all was out here getting Alicia Keys' ass kicked? What if y'all was really out here and he's looking at the memes and he was like, oh, that's what we doing out here? That's what we doing out here, bitch? And then he turned on one of his hardcore beats and just you know, tackles her when she comes home from the Super Bowl. What, what, if, what if he was that insecure dude and y'all made it a big deal from a performance at the Super Bowl? It's a performance. It's a performance of my boo, which is a duet. They got to sell you the performance. If it's too business-like, you lose the vibe of the song. The song is my boo. It's romance. It's R&B. It's a duet. It's a duet. You got to sell the romance of the duet. So when we performing... Sell us that romance. It's acting. It's a show. It's a performance. Some people can't wrap their head around it. It ain't been me, man. You can't be holding my girl in the performance. Well, then you don't need to date a performer. You, If you can't handle that, you don't need to date a performer. An actor, a singer, an artist, whatever. You can't date them. If you can't take your reality outside of the artwork and the performances, you don't need to date those type of people. Because you're going you're gonna to mess up the whole feng shui of what they do for a living, of who they are as artists. You're just not built for that life. Get you, get you a school teacher or, you know, somebody just works a regular job where there's no performances. Get you that. That's, that, that's what you need. Because if you can't handle like a performance, then then we, we don't need to be together. And you got to know that off top. And Swiss Beats is secure in his marriage. I need y'all to speak. I need y'all to be secure in your own. Worry about your own shit. Talk about, I, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't be me. It ain't you. You couldn't be me ass niggas. It ain't y'all. Couldn't be me. That's why it's not you. You stay with your tried and true and what you can and can't handle, man. Everything ain't for everybody. Okay? 
Don't tell me how you feel me. I wanted to say this on relationships because I feel like when it comes to people that you get in a relationship, you end up having to falling out, however, however long you got up into the relationship. When you get to know the people that you're dating or dealing with, are you really getting to know the person or are you just caught up in the romance of it all the whole time? What I mean by that is, you know, when we're talking to somebody new, we talking, we flirting, we building. I like you. I like you, too. You know what I'm saying? Then it, then it elevates to, to the lustful sexual side. Oh, I want you so bad. I want you, too. I can taste you right now. Oh, this, uh, this fact me. You know what I'm saying? All this, this, that, and the third. While you're getting to know each other, while you up, while you caught up in the rapture, while you all up in the mix, are you truly getting to know the person you're dealing with outside of the attraction? Because of what a lot of people, it seems to me, on, on the breakup end, when the shit hits the fan and the shit is terrible and y'all can't get along, y'all can't, y'all can't co-parent, you, you're fighting like cats and dogs, you're doing this, you hate this person. It's like, well, did you get to know them outside of the relationshipy parts? Because everybody ain't got to be dead to you just because y'all are no longer romantically linked. You ain't got to hate your ex. You ain't got to do this, that. And so, so what I'm asking is, in that getting to know each other phase, you should be able to get glimpses into how a person is outside of you. And I, I feel like that's very important. I feel like it's very important to see how whoever you're attracted to, or whoever you're dealing with, how do they handle problems with other people? How do they handle conflict? What are they like when they're angry? How do they treat their ex? How do they talk about their ex? How do they treat their family members? How they handle things when they have a falling out with a friend? What's their mindset? How they handle strangers on the streets? These are all clues and glimpses into who this person is that you're dealing with. That's why I always it's it's important to get to know the person outside of yourself, outside of just like what we mean to each other and you know how we liken one another. You need to get glimpses into how they handle conflict, how they deal with people they don't like, how they deal with people that they do like that they have a fallen out with. These are these are clues into who they are and how they're gonna be with you. Because then if y'all ever do hit a rough patch and now they, they wilding out, you, you could have seen this. You caught glimpses of this when you were talking to them and getting to know them. So for me, it's very important to get to know the people outside of, of myself. Because then you can, you, can, you can clearly see those red flags. Be like, oh, man, that's how you, that's how you handled that conflict? Because then you start to think like, all right, so when you're mad at me, I can expect this. And I feel like what a lot of people do is they they ignore those. They ignore those bad signs. If it, if it is red flags, if it is like toxic shit that you notice, 
you feel like, oh, that's never going to be me. That's them. That's them that they mad at. And so, yeah, it's, it's Venom and just, man, they wild for the night. But that that's just happening to them. No, it's going to happen to you too because this is who they are. So when you see them handling other conflicts with, with maturity and, and grace and, and communication, you'd be like, oh, okay. I'm like, oh, that's how you handle that? I respect that. You got to look at these elements when you're, when you're truly getting to know who you're dating. So that way, if the shit ever does hit the fan, whether it could be corrected or not, at least you know who you're dealing with. And I feel like a lot of people, a lot of us, we overlook that phase in these relationships. And you just want to be like, how do you make me feel now? How, how am I feeling in the now? How do we make each other feel and all that good stuff? So it's like, so when you get in the, when you get in to know somebody that you like, also get to know who they are outside of you. So later on, when this shit is hitting the fan, it ain't crazy. What's Sabrina saying in here? What's going on in there? My ex ain't shit. He be yelling at his cat. Can't trust. <laughs> I do be yelling. I'll be yelling at midnight. He sucks. He's a terrible podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Sabrina's wild. I have nothing, nothing but good things to say about my ex. So you know what I'm saying. But this, but this is what it's all about. You know what I'm saying. This was the red flag city. You know what I'm saying. This is what it's all about. <laughs> um. But Sabrina's a solid ex, though. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't see me talking shit about my exes. But I just know I just noticed that, you know, because I know I know people that they be going through it with their exes. They be going through it. And I'm just like, yo, you didn't get glimpses of this whack shit while you were getting to know them? Like in the early stages when when it when it was early enough for you to get out unscathed. You didn't get glimpses of, of the whackness here. Because the whackness don't, don't just begin right, right then and there on this particular. You can get glimpses of the whackness early on. You just didn't dig deep enough outside of what you two were doing and focused on to really just, yeah, a lot of people, they ignore it. They'd be like, no, it could never be. You think it could never be you. Until it is. And nine times out of ten, if it's other people, it's gonna be you too. So just, you know, pay attention to pay attention to how whoever you like, whoever you like right now, whoever you really like, pay attention to how they handle others. Pay attention to that. Dig into that. Find out how they handle conflict. Find out how they handle adversity. Find out how they communicate with other people that are close to them. Dig in on all that. Ask them about their past relationships and see what's going on there and how they talk about their exes and what's going on. Dig into all of that, man. It's all important. It's all important. Um, I got another ad to do, though. 
Because a lot of people be like, no, they they fooled me. They they presented themselves as one thing and then it turned out to be another. Did they really fool you completely? Was you really fooled 100%? You couldn't see nothing. You couldn't see no cracks and nothing. You couldn't tap in and really dig deep into other stuff. I don't I don't believe I don't believe that you was a hundred percent fooled. I don't know if I buy that. What I feel like we do is that we overlook. We be overlooking like a mug because we caught up in liking them. And we overlooking the business side of it to when you really get the to the nitty-gritty of a person. The nitty-gritty. All right. Anyway. Um, so prize picks is something I signed up for recently. Uh, I did prize pick and prize picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play, uh, DFS. Uh, it's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player, uh, star projections and watch the winnings roll in. So it's easy. So like, uh, like I did, I did my picks uh, this weekend. I said that the running back for the 49ers, McCaffrey, was going to get under a certain amount of yards in the game, and I f- I picked that um, Mahomes was going to get under a certain amount of yards for the game, and so I just did those two picks, and that was that was it. I had money in my little bank. I, I think I had like fifty dollars in there. So those are my those are my picks for like the Super Bowl. It was easy. It was super easy to do. You just, you just pick, and then if you were right, you win. If you were wrong, hey man, you know what I'm saying. This is what it is, you know. And so it was super easy, real easy to sign up, real easy to get it going. That was that was my pick for the Super Bowl. Because uh, you know the big game was here. Prize pick is the easiest and most exciting way to turn every game changing moment into a hundred hundred times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn ten dollars into a thousand. Um, and you know it's demon time on prize picks. You can now win up to a hundred times your own money with as little as four correct picks. Uh, demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting ways to play at prize picks. Square squares marked with the red demons or the green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to a hundred times your money. Um, if you want to play alongside some of Prize Picks' favorite players like Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries uh, from some of the biggest names in the Prize Pick community each week. Um, Prize Picks it up, updates you on injuries. Um, it's really simple to play, and I can make my picks and submit my entries in less than 60 seconds. Uh, quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports apps um prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like taco tuesday each tuesday prize picks discounts select player projections up to 25 percent to provide even more value PrizePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account into the football season. So, um, so yeah, so I picked. Um, I, I kept it football for the Super Bowl, of course. So I picked a 49er and a and a Kansas City Chief. So now, uh, when I when I get back on my prize picks, I'm a, I'm gonna dip into uh, basketball. 
Like, for example, you could do Steph Curry for more than 25, 29 points and Jokic for more than 10 rebounds. Or you could do Anthony Davis for more than two blocks or Damian Lillard for more than uh, four three-pointers made. So you can kind of mix and match all kind of stuff that's like that. And so go to prizepicks.com slash verbal and use the code verbal for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash verbal and use the code verbal. Uh, I didn't win anything uh, this this weekend because what I picked just didn't hit. So, but that, you know, that can happen. That can happen again. <clears throat> again, go to prizepicks.com slash verbal and use the code verbal for a first deposit match up to $100, man. Get in on that. Don't forget to put that verbal in there. No, I'm talking about you feel me. Don't forget to put that up in there. Um, but yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, one thing I noticed about the comments section. One thing I noticed about the comments section. People just want to argue. People just want to argue. There was a clip of the Monique interview on Club Shay Shay where she said that she made, she was paid $50,000 for Precious. That was her, that was her salary for her role in Precious, right? And I'm reading the comment section uh, on that post and people were just like, only 50,000, only 50,000, only 50,000. And in that clip, Monique said, that's what I agreed to. I got no issue with that. Her issue was with them wanting to do extra shit outside of that, outside of what she earned for her actual performance in the actual film, they wanted her to do extra stuff unpaid, and that's what she wasn't willing to do. Now, Precious was low budget. It was a low budget film. The budget was like $10 million. That's on the low budget side of film. I don't know how much y'all think movies cost to make, but $10 million is considered on the low budget end. And so... Her getting 50000 is not crazy. It's not unheard of. But people in the comment section are like, yo, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's not crazy for a low-budget production. And so, but people was in the in the comment section arguing with me. Oh, you, why are you always against the underdog? Why are you against Monique? And I'm, I'm not even talking about that. I was just talking about, I can tell y'all don't really know a lot about the film industry and salaries and stuff, if y'all are thinking that 50K is wild to hear somebody getting paid. It's not. Um, that happens a lot, actually. And so, you know, 50000 for a low-budget, you know, feature. She might have been able to work out something on the back end. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But a lot of times... Cause, cause what we what we get caught up in on the outside looking at you get caught up in those huge salaries that actors get. Oh, they're getting twelve million a picture. They're getting ten million here. They're getting five million here. They're getting twenty five million for this. Those type of salaries are rare. Those type of salaries don't happen all the time. So, and a lot of a lot of times, a list a list actors will take pay cuts to do a low budget film if they if they if they like the script, if they want to work with the director, 
they will take pay cuts all the time. This happens a lot. George Clooney does it all the time. They will take pay cuts in order to be in a certain film that they want to be in. They want to be a part of. And a lot of times those those movies that pay those huge salaries are usually relegated to like an action movie or like sci-fi action, maybe like a big comedy or whatever. But when you get to like a, a low budget dramatic piece that could get them Oscar glory, they're willing to take a pay cut because I could I could get Oscar buzz on this and then that that could, you know, that could really change the game. So so Monique saying that she got 50k for Precious is not wild. You know, and you know a lot a lot of us look at it with hindsight eyes too. Man, she got an Oscar for that. Well, you don't know this going in, though. You don't know this at the time that they're signing contracts. You don't know that I'm going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. You just know I'm doing a dramatic piece in a in a lower-budgeted film. And even, even $10 million is kind of like, it's not crazy low-budget, but like the, I think the budget for Friday, for example, was like $2.5 You know what I mean? And so... But I think people are are shocked at the reality of not every actor and not every performance is getting millions of dollars. Like, I, I think people don't realize that. You know what I'm saying? The, mil- the millions of dollar salaries are rare. And they're usually within, you know, big, these huge movies. And also, too, when you look at the salary of actors that, that are getting those crazy millions of dollars per picture... You got to look at their their box office resume. Cuz ultimately you're getting you you're getting that type of salary because you you put butts in the seats at the theater. Can you lead can you lead a film to box office glory on your name alone? And those 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 are the actors that are consistently getting like the big bucks when their face on the movie poster it can guarantee box office results and i know monique at that time up until that time she hadn't led a film at the box office at that time so it's like you know i think some people was like man why is she not getting 10 million a picture because she doesn't have that she didn't have that box office track record at that time and just because you famous on tv does not mean you'll translate into theatrical box office for example i mean you can but it's not guaranteed like for example like martin lawrence and will smith when they did bad boys they were tv stars so they they turn around and do bad boys on paper, it sounded like, yo, this movie could be a hit, but nobody was really sure because neither one of those guys at that time like led like an action comedy like that. And so, you know, Martin was huge on TV. And he, you know, he had a he had a supporting role in like Boomerang and stuff like that, but it wasn't it, there was no guarantee. And so when they did when they did do Bad Boys and it was a hit, it was like, oh, snap. And then, you know, Will Smith followed that up with, you know, Independence Day. So it was like, oh, oh, snap. So it becomes you got to you got to build up to that. 
Another example uh, on the opposite end where TV fame didn't translate to box office was the cast of Friends. And we all know the cast of Friends. Friends was the hottest show on TV, one of the hottest shows on TV when it was out. The cast of Friends were able to negotiate a deal. They were able to stick together and negotiate a deal to where they they each got a million dollars an episode for Friends. All six of the leads were able to negotiate to where they all got a million dollars per episode. Now, at this time, they're doing over 20 episodes a season. They're getting that bread. That's how big Friends was, where they were just like, yo, we will pay all this money because the show is huge. That didn't it didn't necessarily translate into box office dollars though. When they tried to branch off and do movies, they were taking L's. They were taking L Ron Hubbard's. David Schwimmer did the Paul Bearer. That movie tanked at the box office. Ed with Matt LeBlanc took a smooth L at the box office. Now, Matthew Perry had some okay success with like fools rush in. Like it didn't, it didn't do crazy crazy TV star numbers at the box office or even like Romy and Michelle's high school reunion didn't do crazy numbers. So it was like just because they were huge in TV didn't necessarily mean that they were going to just blow it up at the box office. Occasionally it happens like Michael J. Fox was a TV star with family ties and then he did back to the future, but that's not always a given case in point. Now, what Jennifer Aniston was able to do, she was able to pair up with a a big movie star name and take the co-lead, which was a better transition. You know what I'm saying? The pallbearer, that was was David Schwimmer. It was like, yeah, we got David Schwimmer. And that took a L. Ron Hubbard. Courtney Cox was in the Scream franchise, but arguably the Scream franchise didn't really need Courtney Cox, even though she was a a valuable member of the ensemble, Scream itself, and like you know, that that's what that's what sells that movie is 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 the Scream premise. Um, so we can't give we can't give Courtney Cox, you know, full credit for that. Now let's look at let's look at Jennifer Aniston for example, who who has the most box office success out of the out of the six members of friends Jennifer Aniston has had the most success but let me look at her let me look at her resume around the time when friends was was that was that show all right so we look at Jennifer Aniston okay so Around 97, around 97, she was in Till There Was You. Picture Perfect did like 31 million. Um, that's not that's nothing too crazy. Uh, I, the Object of My Affection, 29 million. Um, she was also in Office Space. She was in the Iron Giant, Rockstar. She didn't have... She didn't. She wasn't in a real hit until Bruce Almighty, but we can't give her credit for that. That's Jim Carrey, so we can't give her credit for Bruce Almighty. And then she did a long came Polly with the co lead Ben Stiller, 
who who was already having a, a box office track record on his own. And that did well. It did about eighty-eight million, and then she did derailed, which is kind of it. Kind of derailed at the box office, and rumor has it so she didn't really have like she didn't really have a standalone box office hit. She was in the breakup with Vince Vaughn, who was who was on a hot streak after the Wedding Crashers. She did Marley and Me. Marley and Me was a hit, and she had Owen Wilson with her and a, and an adorable dog, and, and you know an already popular book. So it's kind of hard to gauge. Like I feel like Jennifer Anderson was picking the best projects, but it wasn't like she had just like a standalone box office smash that was on that was squarely on her shoulders. So said all that to say, you know, TV fame doesn't always translate into box office success um, like that. Right there, there, right there. Side note, I fell asleep with the heat on. Let me tell you something that you don't want to do. You don't want to fall asleep with the heat on. I fell asleep with the heat on, man. I woke up, man, just in a, in a hot-ass sweat. It was just Vietnam flashback, wake up. I was having World War II flashbacks. That's how hot it was. I was a mess. I was just like, ha, ha. Ha, you know how they be waking up in the movies, man? I was like, God damn, man. Shit was hot. I always do that, man. I turn the heater because it be just a little bit too cold. I try to just heat it up just a little bit so I can go to sleep. And I always got to remember to, to, you know, come back and hit the button and turn it off. But I always fall asleep before I hit that button. And now I'm suffering in the sleep. Suffering in the hot-ass biblical sleep. You know what I'm talking about? You feel me? Uh, Isaiah Burlinson. Isaiah Burlinson asks, what do you think about the David Lucas joke about George Floyd? Is that cancelable? I don't think a comedian should be canceled on one joke. So no. Um, even though the joke was in bad taste, um, this is this is who David Lucas is as a comedian. I know David Lucas. Um, but I don't think he should be canceled for the joke. I don't think a comedian should be canceled for one joke. That's just over the top. Um, if the joke is in bad taste, let that joke be one that was just in bad taste and let him let him move forward with different material. Um, but I, I don't think he should be canceled. One thing I will say, though, is that <clears throat> it just made me think about David Lucas, you know, he, he he's been killing on on shows like uh you know the the roast me shows and the roast with Jeff Ross and Kill Tony. So what he is accumulating is a big white fan base um uh, from from those shows. So for me like black folks ain't really fucking with the George Floyd jokes. You know what I'm saying? It's got it's got to be real it's got to be real dope. For black folks to be like, yeah, that is funny because that, that's a very sensitive subject. It's a very sensitive subject. That's a topic that, that, that stings. So when you do a joke like that, you got to nail it. You, you got to nail it on all fronts, on something like that. When it's, when it's something that sensitive to the people, you got to nail that joke. Can't be no question. So for me, and like, you know, black people, if you don't know what happened, he had a George Floyd joke. I don't remember exactly what he said, but 
some 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 people walked out on this set and um they just wasn't having it. They wasn't feeling it. They walked out. And they were black people that walked out. So um here's my thing when it comes to race and comedy for me. One one thing I strive for is I wanted to be universally funny, which I feel like I am. But I need my black people. I need, I need my black people. I need a black fan base. I have to have it. If I look out into an audience, let's say I, let's say I do a tour and I notice there ain't really no black people in the audiences, I, I'm going to have a problem with that. Yes, I appreciate everybody that is a fan of me. Of course I do. I want to make everybody laugh, but I I need the black audience. I need to be able to connect with my black people. I, I just have to have that. That that has to be. I just, I, I need it. So <clears throat> let's say I had jokes that offended black people. Still got a packed house of 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 a racially mixed or mostly white audience. Still still selling out shows, but ain't no black people coming. I wouldn't feel right for me. I I would feel like yo, I'm not connecting with my people, and I need to know why. I need to know why I'm not connecting with people that look like me, people that were raised similar to me, people that have similar experiences that I do. You know, based on race, I need that. That's very important to me. And I feel like if I alienate my black audience, that I can't I can't function like that. And I, I still feel like too, like we live in a racist world. Whether you want to believe it or not, whether you think racism is over exaggerated, I don't. We live in a racist world and we live in a racist country. This is it what it is. It's not, no, it's not the same as it was back in the 50s and 60s, but it's still some racist bullshit going on out here day in and day out. It's shown in the workforce. It's shown how police are handling stuff. It's shown in the, in the judicial system. Racism is alive and well in this bitch. It's out here. It's out here 100%. And to sit here and act like it's not, to sit here and act like, oh, I'm just colorblind. Y'all tripping, man. Hell no. I absolutely don't believe none of that. Racism is alive and well. It's out here. And we can't we can't properly fight racism by ignoring the bullshit that is going on. We can't fight it by ignoring the history of racism in this country. And so when people are trying to ban books and just... It omits stuff from history. You're doing the whole thing a disservice. You, you, you're making it worse. And so with that being said, I need a black audience too, because let's say, let's say I do something that, you know, I get in the hot water in the public eye. The white audience is going to turn on me faster than the black audience will. They will. They will. As much as y'all might love me and you love my voiceovers, I've seen it too many times in my comment section. Shut up and dribble. 
Just do the voiceover. Just be a voiceover to the cats. I don't want to hear about how you feel about racism in this country. They show their ugly heads all the time. They were like, we, we, we don't want to hear you talk about this. And like, all right, you're not who we thought you were. Okay. Black people know who I am. They know who I am. And, and when I do speak on certain things, they understand me. And so, and not not to say that somebody that's white can't understand me. I'm not saying that at all, but there are shared experiences and shared views and shared values and shared things that that black people go through in this country that black people feel from one another. And so I need that in my audience. I don't need people in here talking about, you're not who we thought you were just because you disagree with how I view a certain president. I don't need that. And so that's why it's important to me to always have my black audience. And so, you know, when, when you're blowing up on different platforms, whether it be like a Kill Tony or you're blowing up uh, or a white comedian's audiences bleeds into yours and you blow up on TikTok, and now you got this influx of like, you know, maybe like a white audience or whatever that may not really know you. They just know who you seem to be in whatever in whatever platform they were introduced to you in. That's what you perceive, perceive to be. That's what they expect. And then when you go outside of it, they be like, you're not who we thought you were. But black folks know who I am. And don't get me wrong, you know, me and, me and black folks, we don't, we don't agree on everything. Like, you know, there's black men out here that be like, yo, man, you pandering to the women, man. I don't like how you are allied to the gay community. Well, I'm like, well, this, this is what you're getting with me. I'm an ally to the gay community. I'm an ally to women. Proudly, open chest, shirt off, nipples forth. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is how I roll. This is how I rock. I'm an ally to the trans community, the gay community, and women. If you have a problem with this, then hey, you can bounce. But we ain't about to be arguing every every goddamn minute. So, you know, but as long as you get who I am and you know who I am and what I stand for and what I stand on, and I stand on that racism in this country is alive and well, and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be fixed and it needs to be talked about and it needs to have uncomfortable conversations. That's the only way to get to the nitty gritty. You know, I'm talking about you feel me. And I also feel like if I do something in the public eye, black black folks are not going to turn on me as as quickly. And so, you know, that's how I feel. So I, I feel like, you know, as a black comedian, as a black comedian, look at your audience demographic and make sure that's that's how you want to rock henceforth because if the shit hits the fan they might dip out on you quick Kobe Maguire you are my friend you is my friend but yeah let me go to uh, 
Let me go into some this or that's. The this or that time. Oh, shoot. Hold on. Here we go. This or that. <laughs> I'm going to do, do a more general this or that first. Uh, King Julius D asks, this or that, star in your first mega premiere buddy cop movie with Kanye West or direct, produce, and cast the same movie but with an all elderly 60s and up actors? Start in your first mega premiere buddy cop movie with Kanye West or direct, produce, and cast the same movie but with all elderly people 60 and up. I'd rather just do the movie with Kanye West. I don't want to direct, produce, and cast. I don't know if I really want to do all that right now. Just throw me in the movie with Kanye West. Just throw me in there with him. Cause I don't, I don't wanna I don't wanna produce direct. You know what I'm saying? Just let me just just let me do the movie with Kanye, man. No shenanigans, Kanye. Just let's just let's just knock this movie out. And the fact that the fact that picturing Kanye West in the Buddy Cop movie don't even sound right, I think that's what might make the film hit. Is because Kanye? That would be like a, that would be, he would be a grumpy ass cop and I would be the other, I would be the opposite of that. And it would just be that pairing of opposites working together, that's always going to hit. This dude, Kanye West is going to be this grumpy, volatile, bigoted cop and I'm going to be on the other end of that i'm be like what are you talking about like and we gonna be at odds but we still gonna be working on the same case it's just like movies like in the heat of the night or like you know stuff like even 48 hours man 48 hours nick nolte's character was a bigot you know and he working with this black ex-con so it'll be an interesting an interesting contrast between the two cops so i feel like that would work in a buddy cop format. So yeah, I'm 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 a, I'm a, a co-star with Kanye on that. Um this or that. E short sacks. This or that. Be alone, secluded from everyone else but be able to talk or be around people, friends, family, whenever you want, but unable to communicate with them? Oh, wait, wait. What's the... I'm confused on this one. This or that. Be alone, secluded from everyone else, but be able to talk... Wait, I'm confused on this question, Sachs. Be alone, secluded from everyone else, but be able to talk or be around people, friends, family, whenever you want, but unable to communicate with them. Sax, you still in here? Because I'm confused on this question. I'm confused on that question. So I'm going to come back to that one. Sax, if you're still in here, kind of clean that up for me. 
Uh, Jarrell Thomas, this or that. Which would you rather bring back, New Jack Swing or R&B groups? Uh, R&B groups, easy. R&B groups. Bring back the R&B groups. I'm a fan of groups. I like groups. So I would love for the groups to make a comeback. Everybody want to be solo now. Everybody want to be solo in these streets, man. Bring back the groups. R&B. Who yeah. Nay you. Bring all that back, man. Singing, choreographed dancing, buttering it up on the R&B tip as a group. The choreographed moves. All that, man. Give me that, man. Give me that back. Give me that feeling back, man. Everybody want to be solo now, man. You just solo and boring. Let's get these groups popping again, man. Let's get membership going. Let's let's pick favorite members. Remember how fun that was, picking your favorite member? Everybody solo, man. Picking your favorite member, man, that was a good-ass time, man. If you think about all the R&B groups that you know, everybody going to have a favorite member? You're going to have a favorite member in every group. Let's bring that back, man. Come on, R&B groups. Come on back, man. I know everybody wants the good money, man, but just, just let's group it up, man. You get the money on tour, man. Come on, man. Bring back the R&B groups, the dance steps, the, the twists and the turns and the hard bottom. Well, you don't have to bring back hard bottoms, but you feel me. So, yes, R&B groups. Sandra Jackson asks, this or that, donut or Danish? Ooh. Donut or Danish? D&D. <laughs> Double D. <laughs> See what you did there. Double Ds. Um, donut. Danishes are good. Danish is a good time. It's classy. You, you feel kind of international. Feel like you got a passport, even if you never went nowhere. You still, you still kind of feel like, you still kind of feel like you went somewhere. You know what I'm saying? You feel like I got my passport stamped when you eating a nice Danish. That's the Danish vibe. It's like, yo, man. Even when you got your Danish from McDonald's, man, it felt like you was in Europe somewhere. Danish ended up saving that middle for the end. You were saved the middle of the Danish for the end. The cheese Danish at McDonald's. I would save that middle. Woo! I would eat around it and then just, oh, middle. It's just me and you, middle. I would take in that middle. Mm-mm-mm. But donuts, though. Danish Danishes are a rare treat. But donuts, man, anytime. Anytime. Breakfast, lunch, dessert, snack, man. Bring the donuts home, man. It's always a good time for donuts for your boy. It's always a good time. And, and the holes, too. Give us the holes as well. Donut holes is good, too. 
Donut is a good time. I was talking about donuts last night, Krispy Kreme to be exact, and, and Shannon asked me, what do, I, what do I prefer? Somebody asked me, do I prefer, what type of donut is my favorite? And it's a cake donut, a blueberry cake donut. That's that's my jam right there. That's my jam, a blueberry cake donut. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. And donuts are always there for you, man. On the late night tip, you can get a donut at 2 a.m. These donut spots be open late depending on what city you in. You can't really you can't really pull up on no Danish on the late night, but a donut in the streets, in gritty environments, you can be in any environment and run up on a donut. You can be on the streets moving that weight. You out there with the cigarettes like, hey, man, you better have my money next time. You out in front of the donut shop. There's prostitution going on, drug hand to hands, beef on the block. You like, hey, man, if they come back through here again, we're going to have that gunplay ready for them. Hey, man, let me get a blueberry cake donut and a, uh, and a, uh, let me get a twist. Give me that twist. Yeah, the bear claw. Yeah, let me get that. Let me get that apple fritter donut as well. I don't know what's going to happen out here. Donuts, man. Donuts for show. I don't know what's happening in this live because a lot of y'all keep leaving and coming back. Y'all are saying that the, the visuals is trash. I don't know what's been going on, but I've been noticing the numbers fluctuating. I don't know what's happening. But I apologize. I'm not sure what y'all are going through. It was glitching. I'm sorry. Because I can see the numbers go down to 50 and they go over 100. And I'm like, ah, ah. I don't know what's happening. But I apologize. One more this or that. And I got to get the hell up out of here, y'all. This or that. I'm going to come back to some of these questions on future episodes. Because uh, I see some good questions in here. This or that. Let me do another this or that. Eshore Sacks, I still didn't understand your this or that. So, um, top tier, top tier Chicago food or top tier LA food? Top tier Chicago, man. Why? Why would you even ask this? Why would you even? I don't even have to think about this. William Taylor asks, this or that, would you rather star in New Girl or star in SNL? I would rather star in New Girl, 100%. No disrespect to SNL, but New Girl, 100%. Eshore Sachs says, be with friends and fam but can't communicate with them or be by yourself doing whatever you want. Um... I'm with them but I can't communicate with them? Or be by myself. When I'm by myself, can I still reach out? I'd rather just be by myself, but I can reach out to them via the long distance communication. Because if I'm with them and I can't communicate, then what are we doing? What are we doing, man? What are we building? Um, 
And then I'm going to do one more. QDB says, star in the remake of Alien or The Thing? Um, I feel like I feel like for one, they fumbled the ball when they did the prequel to the thing, and they've been fumbling with the Alien franchise for quite some time now. Um, I feel like the thing is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I feel like from an acting standpoint, the thing would be more fun to play with. Because, you know, Alien is, is pretty much is a seven-member crew. They die one at a time, you know. They would die, like, off-screen or something like that, or, like, you know, they're looking around. And I feel like the thing has more terror and more paranoia and more things that I can tap into to make that performance more fun in terms of how we plan it. Especially depending on how long I live in the movie. Like I'm not sure, I'm not sure what character I would be. But like, let's say I last a while. There's there's more fun things I can do in the performance. The paranoia, the the doubt. Am I am I am I an alien or am I the real person? Like that doubt. That's a there's a lot of fun to be had with that as far as like acting. As opposed to just us being on the ship and we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on and we're going to investigate in the dark and then we get hemmed up and then we're dead and it's just like, mm. but the thing though, we're trying to figure out who's who and I'm looking at everybody crazy. We don't know who to trust and we're panicking and we're yelling, but we're trying to stay calm and we don't know what's going on. We don't know, we don't know who dying next and we stuck here and it's like, what the hell is going on? I feel like. I feel like the thing would be more fun to play as an actor. So I'm going to go with a remake of the thing. And the way the audience keeps guessing, because in Alien, we know we know who the enemy is. We know it's the alien that busted out somebody's chest and it's on the ship somewhere. We got to find it, which is terrifying. But the thing, though, it's like, yo, this alien is also terrifying to look at. We don't know who the alien is right now. I don't know if I'm talking to the alien or or I'm talking to you, Steve. So it's just like those elements right there. Yeah, I'm going to go with the thing. Anyway, I appreciate y'all, man. Thank y'all for pulling up to another episode of Verbal Cardio. Shout out to my patron saints for the fantastic questions. Um, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to tackle them all. Um, there are still some questions I do want to tackle in future episodes. One episode, I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to strategically focus on the questions so I can nail every question that y'all send in. But I had I had to do the 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 topics at hand, the Super Bowl Usher, Usher and Alicia Keys, the Monique thing. I had to touch on that. Um so I wanted to say all that good stuff. Um but I appreciate y'all. I love y'all passionately, and thank you for tuning in to another session of that verbal cardio.